It's time again for the Scotty Johnny Podcast with your host, Scotty Johnny himself, John Barnett, and the ego himself, Cheddar Talk, Aaron Flottam, talking Wisconsin sports, NFL through D3, college hockey, doesn't matter. Two mics, two crusty vets, two opinions, one based in reality, and one based in what do you bet on Twitter? With music by Delete Great Cars and Trucks. Here's John and Aaron. Welcome, welcome, one and all. Welcome into the Scotty Johnny Podcast. I am your not-so-humble host, Jonathan Barnett. And with me, as per usual, I bring you Aaron Cheddar Talk Lottom. Hey, John, what's happening, man? Uh, so the week that was, uh, lots of stuff. Uh, I know we have special guests coming in today to talk yes. about something about the NBA. And then uh, uh, at this time last week, we weren't sure if the Brewers were going to be in the playoffs quite yet. Well, like, maybe not we, mostly but yeah. For- we were fairly Mostly, sure. Fairly certain. I was. I was very not happy with how can, how uh, uh, braggadocious you were about them making it, but they did no problem. And then they swept the Cubs to end the in the year, and there and the Cubs didn't yeah. even make the playoffs. And so the Cubs didn't make the playoffs. The Sox lost a hundred games, and the Bears did what they did. And uh, yeah, so it's been it's been an okay week. It's been a lot of fun. So uh, I, a lot of lot to get into. So let's do it. Yeah. So we're going to split this this week off. We're going to do one just Milwaukee stuff because we do have some big bucks news we want to get to. And we want to give the Brewers a, a good shake here for making the playoffs. So this one is going to be our Milwaukee-focused Scotty Johnny podcast. And we'll do another one covering the Packers, Badgers, and all of our last call event stuff. So uh, yeah. just remind you, of course, you can follow the show on X Twitter. Uh, at Scotty Johnny Pod for the show. You can follow me at Not So Humble Host. You can also follow the show. Uh, I post everything also on Blue Sky, which is at Jonathan Barnett. Social. Uh, and I'm also still on Mastodon. Uh, mostly all we put up there is just the 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 show, which is on the show page, Scotty Johnny Pod at Mastodon. Social. And mine is Scotty Johnny at Mastodon. World. Aaron, where do people find you? You can find me at Cheddar Talk John in the X Twitter world at Cheddar Talk Apple Bottom Flottom Blue Sky Social, and yeah, that's about it. And then you can mm-hmm. find me out on the street corner once in a while begging for food scraps. <laughs> okay, well, just so we can get Aaron back out to his day job there in the on the corner, uh, we're gonna get right into everything with what we like to call our main event. Starting things off with the main event. Aaron, as I said, we're going to start this one off talking about the Milwaukee Brewers and the fact that the Brewers are your National League uh, Central Division champions. I don't think that braggadocio is the word that uh, I would have used for my way of talking about the Brewers. I was fairly confident they would have win one of their last six games. Right. That that was where I was. I didn't – I don't know if it was going beyond that, but I was like the, the odds, I would say – is what I was focusing on. The odds of the Brewers losing six straight while the Cubs win six straight was extremely low, and I was confident that right. those numbers were correct, and that's about it. And they were wrong. And so Brewers and end up were, I, way ahead of the Cubs, actually. where they, they end up nine ahead of the Cubs, ten ahead of Cincinnati. Cubs weren't really out of it till two days before the season ended, uh, mm-hmm. even though I guess the Marlins did have one left to play that's a meaningless game because everything's set. Mm-hmm. Um Brewers will have the Diamondbacks. Um, so, but the biggest news coming right as we start here is that uh, Woodruff will not be available for the wild card series. No, 
That's... Something wrong with his right shoulder. They're being a little. They're not saying what it was, but, but except for it's just his right shoulder. But uh, yeah. he had a very emotional press conference today. You could tell he was pretty, pretty not happy about the whole situation. But uh, yeah, boy, I don't know. I wonder if it was what was bothering him. Well, what's bothered him most of his career? You know, he's had some stints on the IR here and there, and yeah, it's too bad. It it's definitely a rough way to start this off and trying to. I mean, this this was a team where you said like, "Yep, got three, three starters that we we're gonna roll with," which is of course then Woodruff, and then the other two would have been Burns and Peralta. And Peralta, for all intents and purposes, looked like the best one most of this back half of this year. And I mean, not that Burns or Woodruff were bad; neither of them were bad during this back half of the year. Everybody looked pretty good. It's just, yeah, you had. We had him there, and and now we're gonna have to try to see what they're gonna do if they get to game three. Um, my my dad is in some ways looking to game three, but only because they got into the Brewer ticket thing and had some issues with it was so packed they couldn't run the credit card through properly or whatever several times over, and they well, ended up good. getting tickets for the third game, which we would love for my dad actually to not get those tickets, but. I'd like him to see a game. Maybe he can see one in the next round, but who knows? Uh, either way, game three is going to be a bit of a mystery. You figure Burns is set to pitch game one, right? And then after that, you're looking at, I, I would imagine, Peralta for the second one. And then we're going to be looking at a game three and seeing what, what that's going to mean for this team. So, yeah, you'd kind of like to avoid having to deal with that right now. There's There's a good chance there. You know they won't need it, but I don't like the matchup with Arizona personally. Yeah, no. And Gallon has actually owned the Brewers this year. I think he's got like a one point oh five ERA or some ridiculous thing like that, and um, it's not good. And and you know it's this the problem with these three. The I understand you know why they have these um, three game series because you mm-hmm. can't you know. In, in, in the off in the off case that the twins ever do make it somewhere in the playoffs, you don't want to be playing in Minnesota on November fifteenth, right? right? So if you want to have these extra rounds, you got to make them short. But that said, you know, right off the bat, it leaves it especially if you're a team with only two good pitchers, or even if you're a team with if you're if Woodruff's out, then you just you go Burns, Woodruff, Peralta, right? Yeah. And if it's done in two games, then you start off the next round with Peralta, right? No big right. deal. Well, now you, now you have that decision point. Like, do you start Burns in game one? He's starting game not? one. He's scheduled at this point already to be game one. He is. He is. But, I mean, then you have to start doing that math. Like, yeah. Or because game two is going to be a decisive game no matter what by, by virtue of what it is. One team yep. is either winning winning to stay alive or another team is winning to win. It's yeah. Either it's done or it's going to game three. So do you roll out your Cy Young pitcher in game two, you know? But – you know, so, but yeah, if it does get to game three, that leaves you with that, you know, well, what are we going to do? You know, and luckily we have um, a, a, a bevy of pitchers we can throw out there. So I'm guessing it'd probably be Miley would be game three. Yeah, but, that's probably the most likely rather than trying to have Colin Ray and McGill go again. Um, or, or, I mean, Hauser's back. Do you think they feel confident enough in Hauser at this point well, compared to he, Miley, I mean, who has I, been pretty solid this last two, three months now. I mean, well, not that the Cubs are really trying, but, you know, Hauser looked okay on Sunday. So, I mean, that'd be kind of a, 
I mean, that'd be a natural turnaround for him. That'd be a five-day turnaround for Hauser. So, I mean, you don't know. But, I mean, I guess it is nice to know that if there is a game three, though, if you roll out Hauser and things aren't going well, you just bring Miley out of the bullpen. It's that time of year, man. You know, there's only certain people you don't bring out of the bullpen. And if that was mm-hmm. a thing, uh, Madison Baumgartner blew that to pieces about 10 years ago when he pitched every <laughs> game in the World Series. You know, mm-hmm. so... Um, but yeah, I mean, it's 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 not a bad problem to have. I mean, you look across the river at the Minnesota Twins, and they've got two good starters, and that's it. And they're you know sitting there looking at, well, what are we going to do if we have to go to a game three? You know, having Woodruff here makes it you know that makes the five game series earlier easier and the seven game series earlier easier. But yeah. um, as much as you know, the Diamondbacks made the playoffs, right? And they they kind of don't seem like the scariest team in the playoffs, except for the fact that they played the Brewers really, really well this year. They look a lot like the Brewers in many ways. Uh, having yes. Marte as a solid second baseman is one of their older players. Longoria at third is one of their older players. But they've got a bunch of younger guys on this team. Um, Thomas is a fantastic center fielder. Uh, they got Carroll out there as well. And uh, Guriel. Guriel has looked very good. Perdomo coming in as well. Um, they got a lot of good young talent and a good mixture of people in here. And their pitching's pretty decent for the most part. I, I mean, my thoughts. They're going to lead off though with uh, Brandon Fad. Uh, that. That. Yeah. Whatever. That. And he is three and nine on the season with a five point seven two ERA. Um. Yeah, started eighteen games, uh, ninety four strikeouts. He has a WHIP of one point four one. Uh, not the scariest start off for this team, but they find ways and they have good defense behind them. Like I said, uh, their center field, uh, their second and short uh, is, is solid. They're solid up the middle, just like what the Brewers have been trying to do. Uh, they've made a very quick turnaround. They don't have a lot of playoff experience other than like Longoria here, though. So, mm-hmm. well, that it's it, that's, that's some of that math. That's some of that math I was talking about, too, where they got Gallon and what's the other starter's name? I can't think of it. Um. I think who else they got starting on this group here. Hold on. Their they're one, two starters are really good. Gallon, especially against the Brewers. But like, so that's the deal is you're going to take this rookie guy who the, and I know what, I know what the thinking is. Kelly. He's a rookie. Yeah, there you go. And you, you roll out this guy, Pafat, the first game, and they've never seen his stuff before. So that's going to get you at least one time through the rotation, right? Cause yeah. the, you don't know what you're looking for. Maybe two times. And you squeeze one out with him. And if that doesn't work, then you have your two best pitchers for game two and three, and you pray to God that you can get those two games nailed down. Oh, yeah. Merrill Kelly had some great games against the Brewers this year. He had a career. Yeah. It, it's just around a 3.29 ERA. It's, you know, it's decent. Uh, but he definitely had two really good starts against the Brewers as the season went on as well. Uh, Zach Gallen, yeah. like you said, did very well. 17-9 and nine on the season. Uh, 1.12 whip. Yeah, they got some guys there. Uh, the hope is you got to jump this guy early. The Brewers actually have been scoring runs more recently, and they didn't play them in either game where they had Santana and Canna on this team, which does change the dynamic a little bit, I think. I mean, we played sure. Arizona pretty early on when we were still figuring. Yeah, I, I, can, I can't say I can't. I can't remember the last time we played the uh, Diamondbacks. To be perfectly honest, thinking back to it, so it's a you know, thing. St- 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 so you have to you have to look at things as how they are, and you know what happened earlier in the season. Things don't change, and I mean, in the past, sometimes it makes a difference. Like a team that didn't play well against another team, the playoffs came back to bite them. Other times, 
playoffs comes around and what happened in the regular season doesn't even look anything like what's on the field. So I don't know. Yeah, I think you're right though. There's two very evenly matched teams and, you know, being gun shy Wisconsin fans, you know, we're just praying to God to get out of the first round. You know, some people, some people have that ability to be like, yeah, this is the team to go to the world series and win. And are they sure? Maybe. I mean, but you know, <laughs> you know, some of us who are a little bit more tempered are already just looking at that, that big A in the sky, Atlanta, and going, how on earth are we going to pass that? But, you know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. you know, and not only that, we don't have the best history against the Dodgers either. So right. it's going to be an uphill it's gonna be an uphill slog. So, you know what, if, if if the season ends in a World Series championship, great. I'll be there the whole way. But, man, at least let's win this series <laughs> so we have a series win because it's, it's going to be a slog to get out of you know, yeah. East or to get out of the National League. Well, yeah. This so the the first time they played Arizona was after they you know they beat the Cubs, swept the Mets, beat the the uh, Cardinals, and then that was the fourth team they played with the Diamondbacks. Uh, so they went one and two in Arizona, and then went one and two in Milwaukee. But that was in June, June twenty right. first is the last time we saw these Diamondbacks. That was the loss on Kids and Seniors Discount Day, uh, June twenty first. Yeah. That was a different Brewers team back then too. It's a very so. different team at that point. Yeah, so it's it's hard to say I mean, what I, these teams were. I remember going to a Pirates game around that time and seeing a guy named Santana playing for the Pirates and going, "God, I wish he was on the Brewers." <laughs> Santana did us a solid this year. Uh, he did have a walk off win against the Brewers and then had a walk off win for the Brewers uh, against the Cubs here at the end of the year. So yeah, you know, did yeah. it work yeah. both ways for this team this year. Uh, yeah, so there's a lot, a lot about this that's like these are interesting matchups. I'd much rather have played Miami, which obviously we won't. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, the pitching here, the defense here is going to be good for them. That's what we're talking about with the other team. But like we said, this is a very different Brewers team right now as they are. And I'm just trying to look at, you know, just team stats. We'll just say instead of going year to date, which is kind of where we've been looking at a lot of these things and the thing where we feel very sad about some of these things because the Brewers year to date have not been, you know, great numbers, but, uh, 10th in, uh, in OPS over the last 30 days in major leagues. So I mean, it's like that, that's a pretty significant turnaround. Uh, the diamond and, and you get, and, and you got to remember too, like if you, if you add in the first half of the season, I mean, there was parts in the first part of the season that we were about ready to write this team off yep. for the whole year. Yeah. You know, diamondbacks 25th in OPS right now over the last 30 days. Sometimes okay. it is getting hot at the right time. And that's where the brewers have usually been like, we're going to kill everybody right after the all-star break and then fade by the playoffs. But at this point, I mean, the, the hottest two teams right now for hitting are, are the Braves and the Reds. And the Reds just missed it. Uh, so that's, I know. you got to feel better about that when you say OPS for the Brewers is particularly decent right now. Uh, they're 10th in batting average right now uh, over the last 30 days, batting 258. Uh, Braves batting 277 lead everybody else. But hey, we go hey, down hey before, you move, before yeah. you move off it, I, I just want to mention the fact that the, the Central was supposed to be so weak that nobody was going to make it this year. Yeah, we and, almost and did. Instead, and instead, we almost had three teams make it. I know. Just, just the Cubs and Cubs and Cubs and Reds just barely missed it. You know. Yeah, they're the so next two. It's gonna be. It's gonna be. Oh yeah, the Brewers. No, it's kind of like what happened. 
we thought what was going to happen is what happened with the twins over in the AL Central, where the twins won by default because it was like the South Park episode where the kids are trying to lose, but the other team's better at losing. <laughs> They're so, like pitching directly to the things, trying to end their summer. Hitting, hitting, hitting the ball into the kid's glove in the outfield so they can, oh, no. you know, end the baseball game so they can have the rest <laughs> of their summer. Yeah, that's the same one where uh, um, Marsh is up fighting other. He's, he's every parent, fighting, yeah. Every parent, like, I didn't hear no bell. <laughs> Sorry. Anyways, yeah, that's right. yeah, no, but so continue on with the stats. I just thought I'd bring that up. I thought it was interesting that nobody from the Central was going to make it. And it was like at the end, it was dang near three teams. So. Now, Brewers ended the season with the lowest ERA on the year, for, <laughs> and actually the lowest ERA in the last 30 days. Diamondbacks, though, at eighth over the last 30 days. Uh, they're adding, or their ERA, 3.69. Brewers, over the last 30 days, 2.54. That is wow. a full half run a game less than the next closest team, which is, oddly enough, the Detroit Tigers. Weird. And then, then the Orioles and the Padres, who had a great run to finish the year watching everybody else. Uh, what a strange thing there. Uh, last yeah, that was a weird. That was, that was a weird bit over in the AL Central too. Is that the Tigers were like all of a sudden like, oh wait, where, what are these guys doing here? Like, where'd they come from? Right, yeah, the was... Tigers and the Padres just out of nowhere to end the year being bad, but less bad than they had been. Uh, Diamondbacks ninth in WHIP uh, over the last thirty days. Brewers second. 108 to 1.08 to 1.23. So this is going to be <laughs> interesting. It seems like the only thing where there's a glaring jump, first off, the Brewers look like they have the better pitching, uh, although Woodruff's part of that. And mm-hmm. also our, our our bullpen is clearly a part of that too. Wilson's been great in the you know having to come in and get one or two innings, uh, especially if he has to come in early. Uh, and, and the last three, you know, Uribe, per, um Pi amps uh, and, uh, and and Williams have all been just as they need to be. Every now and then, Uribe goes nuts. Uh, his pitch just goes wherever. But they've been very, very good and that's, solid that way. So it happens when that's what happens when you throw the ball 103 miles an hour. Yeah, Hater had no control for his first year and a half or so. It felt, uh, but he obviously Randy, figured it Randy, out. Randy Randy Johnson didn't have control until the, the last quarter of his career. And then he could hit a bird in flight. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Then he then he got scary. That's why he got so good at the end of his career. Go look at his stat line. Sometime yeah. he wasn't really that good until the end of his career, and then he was just lights out. Because by that point, he could still throw fast enough, but he learned how to locate the ball, and then he was deadly. <laughs> and then it's game over. Yeah. Before yeah. that, it was just John Cruck diving into the dugout as not to get hit in the face <laughs> with a hundred five mile an hour fastball that was still that was let go of three feet in front of the plate. That was a. Uh... That was an all-star game too, right? That was that was definitely an all-star game. Yes. The pitch the pitch wasn't even particularly close. But that was back when the AL and NL didn't play each other. Right. And so and so Cruck over in, with the Phillies had never seen this guy. And if he did, it was early on when he was with the Expos and he was super wild. And maybe that's when he saw him, was when he was super wild with the Expos. And he gets up there on the mountain, you know, Cruck's a lefty and Brand Johnson, obviously left-handed pitcher, young corks a 102 mile an hour fastball that wasn't particularly close. It was just inside, but Cruck being a little bit shorter, it was at face level. And then of course, Cruck takes three straight pitches in a row, like swinging from about the back of the batter's box, just fanning away at him, just walking to the dugout and like waving his hand, like I don't want any of that crap. <laughs> right, it's great. 
right. Uh, the other back thing when, was, back when the All Star Game was fun. The, the Brewers, though, do seem, as we were saying before we were talking about Randy Johnson, seem to have the better current uh, hitting. Like, like, they have been actually in a very good state. Um, I mean, I guess among playoff teams, not necessarily among the best, but one of the top ten in, in a, the, the league. Uh, so right behind the Marlins, Twins, Rays, Reds who didn't make it, Padres who didn't make it. Cubs who didn't make it. So there are three teams ahead of them that didn't even make the playoffs. But, you know, again, the uh, the Diamondbacks are not one of those teams that have been hitting particularly well. Uh, and they just kind of continue finding ways to win, which is a, a trait worth having. But I think maybe some of their their youth might be a disadvantage, except for that they're playing the Brewers, who are starting any number of rookies all over the place this year. But I got to feel good about, I don't know. I feel like the Brewers can win this one just because I think that their hitting is going to be a, a much improved from the last time we played. Uh, added a couple more guys who are, you know, more veteran players in key positions and getting out there. Uh, Yelich is now back healthy, knock on wood. Uh, but, yeah, not having Woodruff changes a lot of this. Um and maybe changes how much it matters that our pitching has been slightly better than theirs. Because uh, if it's Miley instead of Woodruff, that is a step down. That's a significant step down, and that does hurt this team. But they've got a real chance to win this first round. And yeah. then no more chances. Yeah, and it's so weird, too, because, you know, you think about the Brewers, and they're so young outside of a couple players. You know, Santana's not a spring chicken. What, no. He's like 36, no, no, no. 37, something like that nowadays. But, uh, I mean, still, I mean, Nelson Cruz was smashing. He still is smashing. I think he's like 44, you know. But, you know, um, the Spurs team's so young, and it, it's so weird how they can become young so fast because they were an old team a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll be talking to a friend of the show, Pete, here, just a little bit about the Bucks and all their big stuff. But uh, me and him were talking the other day, and he, he mentioned that the Bucks are an old team. And it's like, God, they went from one of the youngest teams in the league to the old team in the league. And it's only been like four or five years, but that, I mean, that's all it, I guess it is in professional sports, but you know, the Packers were like the old team two years ago yeah. and now they're, there's Bakhtiari and nobody else. Right. So, right. um, it is fun to watch that. And you're like, you think you nailed it when you're talking about that with, uh, you know, maybe there is a team that's younger and more stupid and too stupid to understand they're supposed to be losing. <laughs> and that's the that and, and that's what the Brewers are, but so are the Diamondbacks potentially. You know, mm-hmm. like, you know, that's my my hope for the Packers this year too. Is like, are are they are they young enough to not understand that they're supposed to be losing? You know. All right. All right. Well, in that regard, though, I think that we can wrap up what we've got here for the Brewers, and I think that they, I guess, I would say that they're more likely to win than not. They're going to have the home field, which is going to help a bit, uh, and I think mm-hmm. their batting is probably the difference at this point in the year um, but I'm not massively confident in that because it's baseball and it's weird uh, but I I think it's more likely than not that the Brewers can advance their way out of the wild card to an NLDS where they will almost certainly have to play the Dodgers um, and well if they get out they'll have to play the Dodgers because that means one of the other wild card teams gets out of the other obviously um, so. well 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 I well, I hope that they do. I, I do hope that they make it out of this run. I hope that they sweep every game the whole way through, because my wife has become 
a huge Brewers fan in the last couple of years, just out of nowhere. I never pegged her for everyone to be a baseball fan, but now she lives and dies with every single game. <laughs> and I don't think I can take – she she was dying by the Saturday night game when they were playing the Cubs in a meaningless game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was when they let go. But all right. No, I, th- I think they'll do – I think they'll do fine. But, uh, yeah, I think they get out of the first round. Uh, so is that it for Brewers and John? Yeah, I think it's about all that we've got uh, for this segment of Milwaukee Sports. And so now we'll move – Right into Bucks, and with us for a Bucks segment, we are bringing in a friend of the show, Pete, back with us again for another, just because we do have such great big Bucks news. Welcome to the show again. Hey, thanks for having me, John and Aaron. It's great to be back and uh, talking some Bucks. Uh, anything in particular you want to cover today? Well, I was just wondering your thoughts on um, on Lindell Wigginton. Um I mean, what a deal! Good. What a deal on a two-way. I mean, <laughs> d- to be honest, I mean, we had, we picked up campaign. I think that's probably the big news of, of the day. I mean, Obviously. he averaged ten points a year last year with uh, with Phoenix. I mean, w- what a great signing for the Bucks. Yeah. <laughs> so the big thing he, I, I like I like that P, I like that Pete had info for you though. This is so great. Yeah. yeah. We got the Lopez brothers together. Let's, let's just rock and roll. What else? What else has been going on, Aaron? Did you have any? Was there anything else you can think of? I guess. Oh, I think a couple of weeks ago on this very podcast, I mentioned that I would give up the entire roster to get uh, Dame Lillard in from Portland. So <laughs> we, did, did did that happen? I feel like we talked it into existence. I mean, we weren't. I think we were the only people begging for this. Uh, right. I might be wrong. I don't know. But we did I, get I think it, the big. I think it was you too because I can. <laughs> completely counted the bucks, the bucks out of the Dame sweepstakes. I mean, I thought the only Atetokounmpo they probably could have got for him was maybe Liam, uh, the young son. But, uh, I mean, <laughs> the fact that we are actually have Dame Lillard on the team right now is absolutely amazing. It, it started to feel like it was, it was going to Toronto, and Toronto was fighting Miami. And then suddenly he's, he's a buck. And I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> it's just an incredible thing. And they gave up so little like we were willing to trade the whole team i mean just quite quite honestly just about everybody and they essentially give up a first in the future drew holiday and grayson allen uh drew goes off to celtics right now at this point he'll land with the celtics and and there are the pick swaps in 28 and 30 which is the other piece but you can you can never hedge on the pick swaps and the biggest loser i think in this trade is definitely the pelicans who were hedging on Giannis leaving uh, when they made the Drew Holiday trade, and now they're just sitting there looking at their hands because they're getting basically nothing for uh, losing Drew Holiday, who brought the Bucks to you know a big piece of that championship run. Yeah, and I think as we look when we look back at Drew Holiday, right before we kind of talk about Dame, I mean, yeah. what a Milwaukee Buck. When we look at the contributions in only three years with uh, with Drew Holiday and what he meant to the team, he's going to be a player that we talk about like he was a Milwaukee Buck for 15 years, as if he were, were Ailey Silva. I mean, he's he's not Ursan, but his impacts in three years maybe outweighed what Ursan did in the 25 years that he was with Milwaukee. 25. And, <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 but in all seriousness, yeah. I mean, what he did for the team, what he did for the community, what he meant to the Bucks, and the way he filled that void. And really, I mean, probably one of the most memorable finals moments of all time with the steal, the rip from... Uh, Booker, Devin Booker, yeah. which led to Booker, the value. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's it's forever going to be, you know, he's forever buck. I wish my kid had a 21 jersey because I'd still have him wear it because Drew Holiday was, was the real deal for Milwaukee. But now we're moving on to the next thing. 
Yeah, and then, no, Drew was Drew, Drew was a big piece, and a lot of that championship run was on him. He he stepped up big a number of times on the run through the playoffs. So that's that's fantastic. So yeah, I his mean, defense he, is fantastic. It sucks that he's on. It sucks that he's on the on the Celtics now, but it's yeah, here we are. another team that really does care about defense uh, in this <laughs> league. So that's that's rough, and that's going to make him a, a better team, I think. But I just, I mean, and there's nothing. Drew was definitely fantastic for this team in the time we had him. And in being willing to trade him, I don't think that Aaron and I were attempting to throw any shade on any of these other players because I think Middleton's fine as well and has been a great player for the Bucks for years. It's just the return on this trade, I think, massively favors the Bucks, uh, which is why Jimmy Butler's calling for investigations. <laughs> and why, I mean, he's mostly upset because he was probably a day or two away from thinking that the Dame Lillard joining him on a team that had gone to the finals last year and then fell short and now watching the rest of the East get better. And it feels like Miami mostly stayed pat, you know, just trying to run it back. They lost. lost. Go ahead, Aaron. I was just going to say they lost Max, uh, Max Struess. So yeah, they, yeah. that did happen. That's kind of a big piece of it. And they didn't get anybody to back him up. I thought Drew was going to end up there. Mm-hmm. And uh, no, and, and when you look back on it too, Drew was, if you stop and actually think about it, like Drew's the only one that had any value in a trade. Chris Middleton for the talent that he has has been wildly inconsistent for playing time on the court and just disappearing in general, you know, and well, Drew, <laughs> but Drew, you know what you got and that's going to be missed layups. And, but his defense is there and clutch threes are there from, time to time too so. with what the bucks had for the championship run in the uh 21 season he fit the exact need uh, for the bucks at that point i mean to have a defense you know have that defensive anchor uh to keep things moving at the point guard position he was the right upgrade at the time and because it worked in 21 and brought us a championship at that time doesn't mean that you can run back the same the same squad you know, and expect the same result and we've seen it the last two years and i think this look where we're moving now to dame lillard the way that we've seen the Bucks' offense stall in the half court, uh, mm-hmm. the building a wall around Giannis, I think this is absolutely the right piece where those two things that have kind of stalled the Bucks in the playoffs the last few years is really what's going to help push him to the, or has the ability to help push him to the next level going forward because he addresses those areas in which we're not sure what we're going to get from Middleton. He's that great complementary piece, but now when you're running that two-man game between uh, Dame and Giannis in the half court, we're looking at a completely different dynamic. And I think, and you mentioned it too, the Celtics are better. And uh, and in John Horses, you know, in, in Horse we trust. When you look at when the Bucks made that trade, they they got better. And when when two and I say two things can be true, right? And that's that the Bucks improved and the Celtics improved. I personally think that the Bucks are still at the top of the East because when you look at how they'll match up against the Celtics. I mean, are they going to put Przingis on Giannis? I mean, they really don't have too many options there because they've lost their depth in the front court. But now we're looking at completely different. They might want to put Drew on Giannis, to be perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's going to be tough. Um, I I do have two things. Uh, First, I was going to say, let's not bury the lead here. And remember now, the most important part of this trade is that we can now hate Grayson Allen again. (laughs) <laughs> he did say that right on our team. Yes. <laughs> and number two, uh, I was going to ask Pete. So, um, I mean, so a lot of Dame's games were played late, late, you know, they're the, the nine thirty start 
you know, on the second channel, you know, and that was part of the problem with Dame Lillard being in Portland was that he, a lot of what he did carrying that organization on his back for 10 years, dragging him along, getting him to the point where Giannis was, you know, saying, saying the same things, you know, in Milwaukee this summer, like, Hey, I, I can't just keep doing this. Like I'm not getting anywhere. And, you know, maybe the most exposure Bucks fans have seen to Dame Lillard is that he, uh, you know, that's, he's, you see him in the all-star games. And of course, Giannis took him last year. So uh, I admittedly too, am not very familiar with his game because of all the reasons I just listed. So besides being a lights out clutch shooter once in a while, which you see those on ESPN, you know, what does, what does he bring at age 32, you know, to this team? That's a great question and a great setup too. I mean, you even brought in all the talking points about how uh, Giannis picked him over Drew Holiday with the first uh, with the, with his first pick in last year's All Star <laughs> game. So, so kudos to you on that. That, that was a great setup. But <laughs> but when you look at Dame Lillard, he's a person that can turn a game for you. He can absolutely change things. It, I've you know been scrolling through the internet and you look at the way defenses react to him when he's on the floor. He faces nearly half-court pressure every time he's out there. He's one of those players who can carry a team, and, and he's done it in Portland. I mean, he had the thing with uh, 3J McCollum for a couple years, and Portland was never able to put the pieces on, around him where you're really able to take him as a serious you know, threat for those years. And, I mean, it wasn't Yusuf Nurkic that was uh, giving, the, giving the Blazers those uh, Western Conference playoff runs. So when you had actually watched some of those games, it was Lillard really carrying him, and McCollum was a solid piece around them. So he's a person that you know just brings the attention of the defense uh, to wherever he is on the court because he can change a game that much, and that's why he's just one of those dynamic talents. I mean, when you see that you know player who's standing about six foot two on an NBA floor, he's out there for a reason, and he's proven that you know in Portland over the last few years where he's they've had some solid runs, they've never gotten over the hump. But the Western Conference has been tough, and we, you know, we've seen it over and over again. And he's that one person that you know from the team. And if he wasn't that type of talent, they wouldn't be reaching the Western Conference Finals, or he wouldn't be a household name with uh, the ability to focus on him like other defenses uh, have been able to. That's good. And also, <laughs> just with the, uh, I mean, I don't want to go on this for too terribly long. I think that it's important to have him there. The other two changes that I want to kind of talk about here too, just to get your idea and, and we can get back to Dame if we need to, but um, Bucks go out in July and they get uh, Malik Beasley and bring back Robin Lopez, which I love having Robin Lopez back on the team, <laughs> having that kind of rotation with the bigs. Um, and he is such a just weird guy out there. And I think he helps Brooke have a lot more fun. Uh, uh I just like the spark on that. I want to get your thoughts, Pete, on, on those two players as, I mean, they're obviously more role players who will be coming off the bench. Both of them, I think at this point. Um, and I, also, I think Beasley, we yeah, could see Beasley in the starting lineup, uh, depending on what they want to throw out there and, yeah. and how they really want to anchor that second team. And if I were to look at it right now, I would see Beasley being the really ang scoring anchor of that second team. I mean, he's a player who's not far off of a, a 20 point a year uh, average in, uh, in Minnesota. And I think he's one of those players that you look at in that right role. So almost similar to like a Jamal Crawford, who can really bring a lot of fire and a lot of shooting off the bench, which is something. Also, for, also, also formerly of the uh, Timberwolves, by the way. <laughs> it's, it's just like you're just naming ex-Timberwolves at this point, aren't you? Yeah. But he is one of those guys. And I think the comparison, I think Malik Beasley will be this year's uh, Bobby Portis. Just this oh. revelation that's been kind of overlooked by the league. 
he's looking for the right situation to find him in himself in after a couple of rough years. But I think Malik Beasley is going to absolutely be a, a difference maker this year. And he's going to have a couple of games where he's pushing 40 points over the regular season. And in a random game in February, when uh, it's going to matter for the Eastern Conference standings, but nobody else is really paying too much attention, I think Malik Beasley is going to be carrying some weight for the Bucs in some of those matchups. Right. You know, and you said when he was on the Timberwolves, too, he was, you know, I met, that's when I was living up there and I was much more into the Timberwolves, kind of what was going on. Plus, the Bucks weren't really where they were yet. But Beasley also, too, is kind of a little bit of a malcontent, if I remember correct. He's he's had a couple issues off the court. I, I mean, I think uh, uh, he had the thing with uh, Larissa Piffin a couple of years ago, which, which is kind of weird, like most things. Oh, yeah, that thing. Yeah. <laughs> like some other things surrounding him. But, but overall, I think uh, finding the right situation. Because if you remember, mm-hmm. you know, Portis was not a uh, – you know, sportsman yeah. of the year uh, candidate, uh, or you can at least ask uh, Nikola Mirotic if uh, he'd nominate him for it. But <laughs> yeah, uh, well, you, you, you just said you, know, you just you know said on that one. <laughs> yeah, I know you. You said earlier too about comparison, comparing him to Bobby. Because that's what I was going to say too. Is that it was, you know, you, the 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 foundation that is built a, 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 for a team around Giannis and how. You know, you can even bring Grayson Allen in. We didn't have any real problems with Grayson Allen. As a matter of fact, we had. He was our, you know, Batman for one series against the uh, uh, Bulls, the Bulls. when nobody else could play, and just and we were all cheering for him because he was just making him so mad. But uh, um, yeah. but by just by playing well, not by doing anything like that. So I think in you know a couple of years being older and wiser and coming onto the team, you know, I think I think you're spot on analysis with that. Yeah, it's going to be one of those where it's like everybody. It's going to be a road game in February out on the out on the West Coast, and nobody's really watching. And that's the game that they do a little bit of load management or whatever we, they can do now. And when you know he'll come in and he'll, he'll come it, in and you know drop thirty five and thirty five and ten. And Beasley's paying for his career at this point. I mean, he's mm-hmm. you know he's here on a veteran minimum. Uh, he's not an old guy by any means, but he's looking for future viability in the league, even similar to the Porter situation a couple of years ago. So he's coming here with a purpose. He's coming in with an established. I mean, literally probably the most veteran uh, lineup in the league because the Bucks are old. There's no doubt about that. But I think Here. it's a great situation for him. Well, let's add that into his, his situation there. Plus the other thing with, with Dame, bringing it all full circle again, um, the other thing Dame brings is the fact that he has not had a championship. Scientists are updating right. COVID-19 vaccines for the fall and so winter one thing season. That Dame, uh, because that's not has had. Let me ask that again and we'll fix it. Uh, so bringing it back full circle, one of the other things that Dame brings is the fact that he has not actually you know, won an NBA title. He's been out in the West. He hasn't, I don't know, he hasn't been to a finals. Having somebody with that kind of hunger is like, uh, for me, I, I, what I think back is Drexler joining the Rockets and having that one guy who missed it last year. And we got to do it for you know, Dame. We've got guys who have won, but now a superstar who has not. And I think that that changes the dynamic and uh, let you both talk about what you think that adds. I don't think you can understate his hunger. I, I don't think anybody who was paying attention to the NBA ever had any doubt about where Dame is as a professional and a really respected part of the NBA establishment. Uh, if a trade wasn't going to work out, he was probably going to average 40 points in the month of November, uh, just lighting it up for Portland, showing the rest of the league what they were missing on him. And I think having that type of a presence on the team is going to be huge for the uh, for the Bucks, and w- especially what he'll bring in terms of that Giannis and uh, Dame pick and roll. Uh, one of the things that you know when you talk about him coming over, some of his most successful years were uh, were with uh, Terry Stotts, 
who you know we know is a former Bucks uh, head coach, but who's now back on the Milwaukee bench. So when you look at that level of comfort that Dame's going to be stepping into uh, on this team, he's also you know going to have a person on the bench who's known him and knows how to best utilize his talents. And that's one of the things that brings me more confidence in terms of the Adrian Griffin era is that he's surrounded himself with a strong bench of assistant coaches, uh, Terry Stotts, Joe Pronti, people who have been there before in a variety of different capacities who are really going to help provide some leadership, both, uh, both on the court and, you know, within that coach's room. And, and, you know, and Dame is, you know, unlike a lot of the superstars, especially the American superstars, um, if you classify as soft, you know, like just maybe, maybe get, get run over a little bit. I think of the James Hardens and the uh, Kevin Durant's and even the Kevin Bookers to an extent, you know, and then, uh, you know, and then you look at Giannis, who's just an absolute train coming down the, down the floor every single time. Dame's got a little bit of that to him, correct? Like he's, he's not gonna, he's not gonna back down. He's kind of a hard nosed guy right it, he's he's tough as nails and i think that was one of the questions that was posed to him today at media day was about uh you know his defense and he said he's not going to be drew holiday but you know he's going to be a problem for anybody that he uh i think he said something to the likes of you can ask anybody that i've had to face up with and I'm, he's not going to make it an easy night on him Excellent. which he has that mentality and with the exception of you know maybe a few you don't see too many players that are at that level of talent who are who are soft in the league that have that level of respect. <laughs> and when you, when you talk about that you know, level of respect, to kind of bring back again to Drew Holiday, uh, yeah. the biggest malcontent in the league right now is James Harden. And he still hasn't found a home. You know, nobody's clamoring to bring uh, you know, James Harden you know, on to whichever uh, franchise. And I think that's the difference there between those hard-nosed players that are respected across the league. You know, Dame's mm-hmm. there, Drew Holiday's there, James Harden hasn't found a situation that he wouldn't push himself out of. Right. Okay. And, and, and what I was going to say, uh, John, I was just going to follow ahead. up on that. So the one thing now imagine that too. So not that it's any different, but you know, you, you think about you're an opposing player coming down the court and you're looking at Dame Lillard standing at half court waiting for you. And behind him is Chris, uh, Chris, Bobby, Brooke and Giannis. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's imposing. And then we kind of slipped right over top of it too. Cause we didn't really bring him up more than when John just said him too, but Robin Lopez, he's, I liked him the first time he was here too, because he, while not as good as his brother, he's got a lot of the same attributes as his brother. And, and right now, Brooke, God bless his soul. I don't know how he's still playing so well for such a big dude. Maybe it's because he's proportional as a big dude, but like he's going to need some more time off. And if you can interchange with his brother like that, you know, and get him those spells to get those rest spells. I said that that was one of the things that I wanted to see in the off season was somebody that could, relieve Brooke without that much of a drop off. And I love Robin in, in the, the locker room. Cause he's just mm-hmm. funny as all get going. Oh, I, want to pro, I, want to, I want to see that pro wrestling yeah. shit again. That was awesome. Yeah, it was pretty well, great. I, okay. Go ahead, Darren, you go with yeah. anything else. What I was going to say, when you, when you look at that, uh, you know, the style of the team, the being the number one seed in the East is going to be important this year, especially now that Boston's also improved. So when you look at what that 82 game look, season looks like, that's where the Robin Lopez, the Jay Crowder, uh, the Pat Connaughton, those complementary pieces where I think we also are stronger than the Celtics is going to make a huge difference. So I think we have enough depth on the roster to really, and enough people that can step up, you know, on any given night 
to help push us through. And we're using those random February, you know, weeknights. But if we're winning those types of games because we have the depth and we have the right infrastructure around the team, enough people that can pick up and carry the bucks on any given night, it's just going to be a much better, uh, much better setup because we're going to want to have a game seven at home if it's coming down to that in the playoffs this year. What about Beauchamp? This is one of the other guys that's going to be in that spot there where he's going to probably have to step in for those missing spot, you know, missing things that we traded away, too. What do you feel about that? Yeah, and let think... me add to that, too, because you just you just beat me to that, John. I was just going to ask, <laughs> is, there, is, there, is there a big first-year to second-year jump with him this year? I mean, if you followed Summer League, uh, uh, all right, uh, the Pro-Am, uh, there definitely would be since you dropped like 80 <laughs> points there. But in all seriousness, uh, I, I think Marjan uh, Beauchamp, is going to make a jump this year. I don't think Horst makes the type of move, putting that much confidence in him, or if uh, if they don't. And mm-hmm. I think when you look at him as a defender, he is the one of those people that you know he can take up space. He's long, and he can. We're not counting on him to score a lot, so I think he can go out there and start to excel in his role. Okay. And, I, and I joked about it early on, but the other player that's going to make a difference is Campaign, and he had mm-hmm. you know, he's played meaningful minutes on on really strong teams in the, in the last few years and having that presence and that ability is going to definitely help the help the bucks um, on some of those uh those long nights and i think he's um he's really shaped himself into a solid nba player and he kind of had a goofy start where he was the guy who would do funny handshakes with russell westbrook uh back in oklahoma city and then he found his role after bouncing around a little bit and i think he's gonna be a huge part of this year's team excellent i got two questions before we wrap up uh, answer them in whichever order you want. Uh, but first off, do you think the Bucks are a clear favorite in the East? And secondly, do you think that Dame will be more prepared for the season after having been in Space Jam 2? <laughs> Space Jam 2? 100%. All right. Whenever you can line up against the Monstars, you know, this, you know, you always have to prepare yourself for the hardest scenarios and he's gone through that already. <laughs> so so I'm I'm ready for ready to see what he does against lowly uh algorithm. <laughs> and then how, um, how terrible was that movie by the way? It was bad. I know. It wasn't that good. Poor Don Cheadle. <laughs> <laughs> but it, I I I do so and going going back to something I said earlier, this is a time where you know the Bucks made the move. They're the clear favorite uh, in, in the East, and, and everyone was trying to make a move to counter them. All of a sudden, Boston. Yes, Boston's also improved, but when you look at just the lineup to lineup, I think the Bucks are the the Bucks are my favorite in the East right now. I you know it's always pending injuries and everything else that happens over the course of eighty two games. But w- when you look at what the Bucks have how they match up against other teams. I put them as a favorite in the East and I'm as excited as the bucks are because I'm, I'm all here for it when we're looking in 2028 and we are uh, doing a red shirt year with Giannis uh, just to get him back on the floor and tank for a, you know, well, I guess we won't, well, it'll be a pick swap uh, year in 29. So hopefully we'll, we'll figure something out, but um, <laughs> I, I'm here for all of it. Even if it's a 10 win season, because we've pushed our chips in and this is uh, what, well, you guys, you know, talk Packers, my number one frustration with the Packers, you know, we have all these uh, NFC North titles and uh, NBA Central Division titles don't move the needle for very many people. But when the Rams won a couple of years ago, they pushed it in for Von Miller and they pushed it in for Odell Beckham. This is the Bucks doing the same thing in the NBA. They oh. see their title window right now and they're going for it. And I'm excited for the ride. 
Well, that's good because the Vikings did this last year too, and we may have noticed they didn't win anything other than the division, <laughs> and now they're bad I, again. <laughs> well, sometimes sometimes it blows up in your face too. It but, works uh, sometimes, uh, not always. Yeah, that's why I just no, and the level. Were the Vikings really ready last year though uh, to push chips in? No, but they did. They definitely put in all the pieces at, the, at one time, and 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 then they signed that uh, that they signed that uh, chip in to uh, yeah. the biggest tight end contract ever, and he rewarded them with an interception. I was going to say before before we go yeah. too far though that finish up um, at, after uh, after Pete listing off all that too, you know, you stop and you actually think about it too, and like you're talking about the campaigns of the world, and uh, who's it's funny that we get him in the year of a presidential election campaign. It. but you know you put but you put like him and beasley and you know Beauchamp together and honest god if you can uh, if you can say that your entire second string if you were to roll them out against half of the league would give them competition that's good yeah you know like, i mean our, our backups if you just roll those five out in the basketball against half the teams in the league that are rebuilding they'd probably give them a run we're gonna do know? that or a couple maybe. times this year <laughs> just right for... no it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna happen Portland. for load management yeah, it's gonna have like I said, you know, when when they're when they're playing San Antonio Davy on a March Wednesday evening or something like that. So all right, well, thank you again for joining us, Pete. It's wonderful to get uh, your insights. Uh, Buck season coming up, end of this month here, twenty sixth. They will play Philadelphia at home to start the season. So preseason games will be starting here very shortly. I think the first one for the Bucks is the eighth. That's right. this weekend. Yeah. It's right away coming up, right? That's what Sunday or either way. Yeah, it's this weekend. Yeah. It's coming up fast. And hey, and hey, when you're watching those uh, basketball games on uh, TV, make sure to be watching when the players are running off the court because Pete's uh, tickets are right above the tunnel, so his son can <laughs> high five the players. If they come on, so. All right. And I'm not just talking this weekend. I'm talking all season long. So be watching for Pete on the TV. We'll see you out there. Hey, right. Thanks again for having me. It's a pleasure, and uh, let's. Um... Let's do this again soon. Absolutely. All right. Thank you again. That was a wonderful Bucks talk. And with that, we're going to wrap up this week of Wisconsin sports, at least as far as our kind of Milwaukee-centric podcast for this week. Uh, we'd like to thank again Pete Owens for coming on. Uh, friend of the show, Pete. It's wonderful to be able to have somebody who come come on and give us the sort of insights he gave us and uh, the wonderful things he have. And I hope that everybody else is, is appreciative of him being here and on the show as we are for having him with us to help us out. Um, we'd like to remind you to please go on to whatever social media sites that you're using. Uh, we gave you all the ones up front, uh, Mastodon, uh, Blue Sky, and uh, X Twitter, uh, Facebook, wherever you are, you can find our podcast in those locations. So please go on there and follow us. Uh, give us those, uh, those shares, those likes, everything you can. Uh, and again, uh, just want to say that uh, whether you are on the town or on the go, that it is always on Wisconsin. This has been the Scotty Johnny Podcast. Remember to find the boys on Twitter at ScottyJohnny1 or online at ScottyJohnny.com. Thanks for listening and on Wisconsin.